0: Crazy baby. (laughs) Good to see you. Hi, sweetie. Love you. Yeah, I need them up there. Okay. Well, it's good to be here this morning as you guys make your way back. I just want to take a minute and I just want to pray for our pastor who's in California and my husband. Uh, God's really doing a, a work there. Um, You know, he went. He doesn't know that he wants to come back. He loves it. Just kidding. Um, I was offended when he said it. Um, But he's preaching back to back today. So I just want to lift him up real quick in prayer. So that way... You know, God is covering him as well. We're a church that prays. Let's pray for him real fast. Father, I just thank you for Pastor Raymond, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that he answered the call in his life, God. Father, I pray that he reaches many people in California. Bring him home safe, Lord, but allow his message and your word to stay, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I want to talk about, with you real quick, about crazy faith. And I want to talk about, let's, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 5. 13 and 21. I want to thank, while you're turning there, I want to thank all the women who have served. Today's the fifth Sunday, and it's so the women do, do the work. They did a really good job. Let's give them a hand, praise. 2 Corinthians five thirteen and 21. And the word of the Lord reads, Amen. If it seems we're crazy... on that one. It says, for if we are besides ourselves, mine says, if it seems we are crazy, which obviously we are, (laughs) it is to bring, (laughs) it is to bring glory to God. So let me say it again. Okay. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. Okay. I'm crazy for God. So the things I do is crazy. Okay. But it says also, it says, and if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. So if I'm crazy and I'm still in my right mind, then I'm going to benefit it. I'm going to benefit you. Okay? But it says either way, crazy or right-minded, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for us, and since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe, that we have all died to our old lives. Okay? Lord, I just thank you, Father. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this church, God. Father, I'm praying right now that this church gets on fire for you, God. That their faith goes from lazy faith to crazy faith. I pray that we don't have wavy faith or baby faith. But I pray, God, that we become crazy, crazy for you, crazy where everything we do in life, God, meets you head on. Lord, I just pray right now for this service. Hide me behind your cross, God. You brought me this word. You told me to preach this word. So I'm going to trust you in every area. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so crazy faith. How many people are crazy? Okay, but you're crazy for Jesus because we were once crazy in the flesh. (laughs) Some of us were off the chain, okay? Yeah, yeah. So we're not that crazy. We're crazy for Jesus, right? So I want to talk about crazy faith. Okay, Crazy faith is when you simply refuse to let what you perceive, which is your circumstance, your situations, your trials and your tests and obstacles, interfere with what you believe. Meaning, whatever you believe, right? So if I believe in Jesus, then everything that I believe in is going to be based off of him. And if I believe what he says and what he does, then all my intellect is going to go away because I'm putting my faith into God. Does that make sense? So what you think is normal isn't really normal. In other words, you take and turn off your intellect and turn on the God switch where no matter what, you trust him even if it looks and sounds crazy. Okay? And my first point is crazy faith doesn't have God in a box, okay? I am a person, how many people are... That's crazy. <laughs> okay, how many... I'm, I'm a person that learns by exampleship. I, have to, I see it, I understand it better. So I like to be, I am not Pastor Raymond, okay? We all teach and preach different. So crazy faith doesn't have God in a box. And Gracie is going to be my example, this is my box. But really, look at it like this. Say, this is my box. Y'all say, this is my box. Okay, this is your box. That's my box. This is definitely your box. Okay? Okay, come climb in my box. You said you wanted to volunteer. Climb in my box. Find somebody crazy enough. Come on. You're not too big, get in the box. All right, now, squish down in my box. Bye-bye. This is your box, okay? You good? Just stay there. Okay. Okay? But this is God. Gracie's not really God, but we're going to pretend. That Gracie's God. Say hi, God. Okay. And so when we're raised, we're taught about God, and we put God. But see, here's the thing. If God doesn't meet what we think or what we like, then we put God in this box. Okay? So here's God. He's chilling. So if I've learned nothing else in my life, I've learned that just about the time I have, I think, I think, I have God figured out, I don't. We like to nail everything down. How many people are like OCD people here? Or, you know, very, you have to have it a certain way. And if it's not a certain way, then you start wigging out, okay? You don't have to label yourself, but I know some of you, most of you probably are, okay? So what happens is we try to control every area of our life. If I can control my children, if I can control my marriage, if I can control my job, if I can control the people in my life, if I can control the pastors just to agree with me, if I can control the leaders to just agree with me, if I could have the restaurant make my food the way I like it, if I could have this, if I could have that, and you could control it, you would But a lot of us, think that you do control it in reality I hate to break the news you don't control anything but what we do is we take God who set us free and we stuff him in a box and what we tell God is as long as you don't conflict with what I want then you work for me if you don't step over my toes, you're good for me. If you allow me to compromise just a little and justify it, right, then you work for me, okay? But what God is really asking is to get out of the box. We, this is a thing, okay? This is an example. God, I'm praying for the mountain to move. God, I want a miracle today. God, I need healing. God, my family needs this. My children need this. I want this. God, I want, I want. We have a want list, right? But the issue is God is shoved in a box and he can't move. So what God is doing is he's like, hey, you want me to do something, but you want to do it on your term and not my term. Right? Right? See, here's the mistake, and I really want you to check this and write it down, keep it, make a mental note. The mistake we make in this is we make God a part of his creation and not the creator. Let me say it again. You make God, because it's a you, because it's a me, you make God part of the creation and not the creator. Some of you are going to catch it later and get it. You're telling God you're on the same playing field. You're telling God that he is in charge only when you want it to be in charge. Okay? Oh, I'm sorry, baby. Okay. You can get out your box. Here. Don't go too far. Okay? Look, God is not some riddle or a mind puzzle. That, be can, that can be solved with enough thought and reflection. Meaning you can't, God isn't like a crossword puzzle we do and figure it out. Okay? If, and, and God isn't in, you know, the, the comic books where you can go and, and circle the words and, and figure it out and win a prize. That's not God. God is a mystery. And a mystery that is solved ceases to become a mystery anymore. God is a mystery to be chased after and adored rather than a riddle to be explained. Sometimes God is asking us to think and to believe outside of the box because check it out, healing comes when you let go of you and believe for the crazy faith to move the mountain. You have to move you out of the way. But the problem is you're not willing to get rid of the box You want to keep the box and drag the box. (laughs) Come on, God. (laughs) Y'all are laughing, but I've done it. Hey, God, I I really want to, I like being a pastor, and I love uh, all the people you've given me, but God... I don't know that I like doing it. Hey God, can I do something else? Hey God, can I just close you in today? Cause I really don't want to hear anything you have to say. Hey God, hey God, Are you good? Oh, you're going to tell me something about myself? Never mind. Get back in the box. Stay in the box today. And God is saying, but you chose me. I didn't choose you. You chose me. So if we chose him, then don't you think we need to hear him? And don't you think we need to validate him? And don't you think that we need to listen to exactly what he's saying? Because we chose him. So you want to put God in a box, and you want God to come for miracles, but yet you're not willing to allow the God that can do the miracle out of the box. And then you get mad at God or frustrated with God or hurt by God or offended at people because God uses people to tell you about yourself, and you're offended, and you want to know why you're offended because God's tired of being in your box. Amen. He's tired of being in your box. See, crazy faith, crazy faith believes that no matter what, whether it's going to hurt me or not, like Miranda said, it hurts sometimes. But sometimes when God's out of the box, that's the best kind. Because you grow in the hurt. You grow in the truth. You grow when you're outside of a box. You can put a shark in a tank and it's only going to grow the size of the the tank. But if you put the shark in the ocean, it grows up to 1630 feet. So what is your faith? Where is your faith? Are you the shark in the tank? Or are you a shark in an ocean? What shark do you want to be? Because crazy faith is going to be like, hey, I'm getting in the ocean. And there's bigger sharks than me, but I trust that you've got a plan for me. You've got a plan. Get them out of the box. And stop doing this he's not your ride-along he's not your homie he is God let me give you an example about crazy faith because I want some crazy I have crazy people in my life okay real crazy I met the Retrovida family and they're real crazy okay <laughs> life was forever changed okay I got friends that you know, I got introvert friends, and I have extrovert friends, and I got loud friends, and I got quiet friends. And, but all my friends are crazy enough to be friends with me, so we're good. But look, these are the kind of friends that I want. Okay, check it out. Let's go to Luke 5, 18 through 20. Look what these people do. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with the stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. So here's what they could have done, right? Look, they said, but not finding any way in to bring him in because of the crowd. Meaning there were so many people that they couldn't get in. They weren't letting them in. Yeah. Weren't letting them in now those friends those friends could have said hey maybe next time jesus he goes everywhere maybe next time we'll get in maybe next time or or they said you know what maybe you're healing maybe you're just doomed for this maybe just maybe this is what you're meant to be the rest of your life they could have said it but they were so crazy for jesus that they climbed not only up a roof they took their homeboy stuck him on a stretcher Climbed a roof. Got it It's not like the roof just falls apart and opens. you got to work to get the roof open. Crazy faith. They got crazy faith. They were going to get that man to Jesus. They tore that tile apart. They tore through that wood. And they dropped the man right in front of Jesus. Boom. I want a friend. You're not my friend if you don't do something crazy like that. Huh? My friend, one of my friends used to tell me I got a shovel. We got a shovel. Okay. But here's the thing. Crazy faith makes you do crazy things. Okay. Just think about when you were in the world. When you were in crazy situations, you would respond with crazy things. Except this time, now you're crazy for Jesus. So that crazy faith needs to go towards Jesus. I'm going to be so crazy for you that no matter what happens, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change the world. But we have to get out of comfortability. Everybody's so comfortable. I'm so comfortable. He's comfortable. Honestly, how many of you can actually say you went to a grocery store last week and somebody walked in front of you and you said, Hey, Jesus loves you? Or how about how many of you went and said, Hey, Jesus sees you? Because if you're really in tune with the Spirit, you're going to hear what the Spirit says and you're going to be able to go and minister to the sick, to the lame, to the blind. You're going to be able to minister. But you got to be crazy enough, first of all, to believe Jesus. Then you have to be crazy enough to do it. And Jesus is looking for crazy people. He don't want sane people. So everybody that's in the home, you're crazy so you fit in. That's why you're in the home. You were a little too crazy. But you're the crazy that Jesus wants. Because there's nobody in the Bible that was sane. I don't care what you tell me. Even the religious people couldn't figure Jesus out. Couldn't figure him out. He had them all like, what the heck? These men may not have understood who Jesus really was in full. Meaning, they I don't know whether or not they really understood who Jesus was, that he was the son of God, right? I don't, I don't know that, right? But they had enough crazy faith to believe that this Jesus could heal the man and they were crazy enough to think outside of the box, Because the box would have never let that man get healed. Okay? Look, to think outside the box and climb a roof and bring the man into the middle of the room to be healed. And although they could have stopped and said there's too many people next time, instead they knew that in order for the man to be healed, something crazy had to be done. Something crazy had to be done. I want y'all to become crazy. I want a church that's crazy for Jesus. I'm tired of just an everyday, boring old church. Amen. We are not called to be normal. We were not saved to be normal. We're not saved. Now, that doesn't mean you can go and still act a fool and do whatever you want to do. That's not what it's saying. Because crazy faith is obedient to God. You got to be obedient to God. Okay? Look, as long as you and I continue to put God in a box, we will not see. We will not see the miracles of God and the ones that he's wanting us to encounter. If we continue to box him in, we will miss his power revealed in our lives. With God in a box, we will never have crazy faith. Because the human side of us, the human side of us, the intellectual side of us, will always reason why something couldn't be. And we will be boxing out the God of miracles and crazy faith. Okay. Here's my chair. I have another example. All right, Grace. Okay. I have two chairs. Like my chairs? Okay. She likes my chairs. Y'all like my chairs? Okay. Here's about my chairs. This big chair, adult chair, baby chair. If I had to ask you, which chair do you want to sit in? Which chair do you want to sit in? Why do you want to sit in this one? It's she said because it's bigger. Okay. What if I told you that God's will for your life was to sit in this chair? Which chair would you sit in? You'd still sit in the bigger one. But what if I told you to put some, if I put some weight on it? Meaning what if I sit in it? And I'm a big girl. Here we go. Still hold me, okay? Now if I had to ask you, which chair would you choose? The big one, one. okay, thank you. Look, I want you to check it out. Here's what I want you to see. Most of you are gonna pick the big chair. It's gonna hold your weight, right? It's more safe looking, more secure. It's normal, normal, right? versus the toddler chair that is like itty bitty doesn't look like it's going to hold much weight right but even when we put our weight in it and somebody else shows you your intellect kicks in and you tell God even though even though I say I believe I refuse to do I refuse to do And do you know what you do when you do that? You miss out on the miracle that God had for you. You miss out on the blessing because you refuse to put your weight in something that you say you know and you believe. Put your weight in it. If you tell me that you're a Christian, then put your weight in it. Don't be compromising, Christian. Don't be a lazy Christian. Don't be a baby Christian. Put your weight in it. God, I I, I accepted you as my Lord. I accepted you as my Savior. That means, A, you've given him everything. And he has complete control over your life. But here's what you do. You not only pull out your fancy little box, and then you tell him you don't even believe him crazy faith stands on a chair crazy faith believes that and I'm big crazy faith believes that this chair is going to hold me up you want to know why I believe this chair is gonna hold me up because I know who my my daddy is because I know who God is because my weight isn't in mankind my weight is in the God of the universe. My faith does not waver because it's on, on a bitty, bitty chair. If God told me to walk to the ends of the earth, I'm going to walk to the ends of the earth. Even if I don't understand why he's asking me to, I am going to obey. I told you, it's fun today. It's a good day. Okay? So look, my second point My second point. Crazy faith breaks the rules of religious belief. Well, no. Check it out. Many people here today grew up thinking following Christ was about keeping the rules. Well, no. You don't do this and you don't do that. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right? I bet none of you would do that in a regular church. Huh? You wouldn't do it in a regular church. Sure wouldn't. They'd be kicking you out the church, telling you you're a little too wild. Huh? You need to sit down. You're a little too much, a little too radical today. Huh? Bet half of y'all didn't even know that was coming. Look, you go to church every Sunday, Wednesday, Christmas, and Easter, okay? For some, it meant to wear their hair a certain way or a certain type of clothing. And going to church was a list of rules that you would do, and that was being a good Christian. And as long as you do those rules, you're a good person, then you're good. You made it. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. See, we got to stop putting the Bible to where we want the Bible to fit us. We want to make up our own Jesus rules. We want to take the Bible and interpretate the Bible how we feel the Bible should be interpreted. Okay? You got to follow what Jesus said from the beginning to the end. And you have to take his word and you have to stand on his word. And you have to take his word and apply his word. And you can't leave out this and leave out that because you don't like how it makes you feel. That's not the Bible. That's your religion. trying to teach y'all something. This isn't to beat you up. This is to make you guys see you got to have crazy faith. Most pastors wouldn't stand up here and preach in a pair of tennis shoes and their hair is braided and and a sweater on. That's just not going to happen. Most pastors come up here all nice and dressed up and pretty. I'm trying to teach you something. We can't just go with the normal. Then we become just a boxed in church. And what, what impact do we make on a world? What impact are you making? If I came up here dressed like a hobo, I hope you don't judge me. Because all I'm trying to do is get to Jesus. We can't be a church that judges. And we can't be a church that's con- con- you know, condescending. We can't say one thing and then do another. That's not Jesus. You've got to break out the barriers. You've got to get past the, religious- the l- religiousness. I want a church where people come in and they feel free to be them. And there are rules. God does have rules. You know, God is a God of order. Don't get it twisted. He is a God of order. But you can't judge someone because they come in with a T-shirt and flip-flops on. Love your hair, by the way. Thank you. I <laughs> told my daughter today, I said, I still rock it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, and then I remember, I'm going to use John and Virginia for a second. I remember uh, Virginia was tripping on John because <laughs> John came in. to Say hi, John. Say hi, Virginia. Virginia, you know, Virginia's really, like, she's a well-kept woman of God. She's she's real quiet, real humble. You know what I mean? She's got a crazy side to her, too. Don't let her fool you. And then here's John, and John's, like, the T-shirt, hat, glasses, you know. And then one day I saw him in church, and he had a pair of sandals. And I was like, I love those. And Virginia's like, don't encourage him. (laughs) (laughs) See, she's still shaking her head. Don't encourage him. Uh, But what kind of church do you want? You want everybody to come in if we were all meant to be robots if we were all meant to be robots then God would have made us all the same and everybody brings something everybody brings something and you have to have your own little swag and your own little style and your own little thing because in, in, in Christianity that's what makes the world different and that's how you can reach people other than yourself You know, I like having young pastors and, uh, you know, associate pastors. I love having them. I love, like, Zachariah, I used to be like, man, this kid, his shoes, his hats, his this, his looks like a little gangster. But you know what, though? He can reach people that I can't reach. You know what I'm saying? And the other thing that I'm, I'm really impressed about our church is we're very ethnically diverse. We're not just one segregated church. And, you know, uh, and we're crazy. Do you know that most churches are the most segregated on a Sunday? And yet, here we are, crazy enough to believe God, just as we are. Look, Jesus came to change the rules. Jesus didn't come to uh, be, you know, obedient to the Pharisees. That's not what he did. In his short three years in ministry, he did exactly that. He challenged the Pharisees and the scribes, and he challenged the religious church. Who are you challenging? Don't challenge your leaders, but who are you challenging in the church? Some of the home don't apply this, okay? Pastors going to be like, what did you teach? I'm going to be like, well. Look, check it out, though. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Let's go to Mark 3 and 1 and 6. This is how crazy Jesus was. He entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. They were watching him to see, okay, they're talking about the Pharisees here. They were watching. The Pharisees and the scribes were watching him to see if he would feel, heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him, right? Here they go, keeping the law. He said to the man with the withered hand, that's Jesus. Jesus said, come here, right? So that's like me going to Gracie and saying, hey, come here. And you have a withered hand. Make a little hand. Yeah, there you go. You're special. Okay. So he says to the guy with the withered hand, he says, come here. And get up and come forward. And he said to them, he's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes, right? So to the religious people, he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill? But they kept quiet. They didn't want to say anything. And after looking around at them with anger, but check it out, look at what he says, grieved at their hardness of heart. He said to the man, Stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisee went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him, as how they might try to destroy him. Right? Jesus wasn't trying to be dis- like re- completely rebellious, but the question he asked them was, "So is it lawful to save a life or to kill a life?" Like, and they couldn't even answer. Because the Bible says, God says what? Love one another. Take care of one another. But they couldn't even answer that question. They didn't want to answer the question. And it said Jesus got angry first, but then his spirit became grieved. Grieved. That you don't love these people enough to heal them. But you're so stuck in your ways and your religious thinking and you're so stuck in the box that you would rather not say anything than have somebody get a full and complete healing. Where are you in that status quo? Where are you in that status quo? Are you, are you one of those people that watch other people do the miracles and say, man, I wish I could do that? Does somebody come to you and say, I need prayer, and you say, well, I can't just, I I can't. Jesus was crazy enough to do it. Because he wanted people to get to the Father. He wanted people to believe and get to God. That's our mission. We need to be crazy enough to get people to God. That's what we need to be crazy for. We need to stop being so crazy about church programs and crazy about potlucks. And we need to get outside of these four walls. And we as a church need to become crazy enough to go reach all those people that are dying in front of us. Crazy. You gotta be crazy. Jesus criticized the scribes and the Pharisees for being so rule-bound, and in it were actually keeping people from discovering the kingdom of God. They were stopping people from getting to God. Is that you? Do you want people to get to God? In 2 Kings 6 and 1 and 6, 1 through 7, this is Elisha. And this is, this is here. It says, The son of the prophet said to Elisha, Please notice that the place where we live under your supervision is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan where we can get a log and can build ourselves a place to live there. So Elisha said, Go ahead. Then one said, Please come with your servants. I'll come, he answered. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down the trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, The iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, My master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God asked, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, the man of God cut a piece of wood, threw it there, and made the iron float. Then he said, Pick it up. So he reached out and took it. Look, I want to share something about this, okay? This is some crazy faith right here, okay? Crazy, This is beyond comprehension of science. It is a well-known fact that if iron falls into the bottom of bulk water, like a river, you need someone who will dive in, go to the bottom, and get the iron, okay? Because you cannot cause iron to float on water. Iron does not float. It's too heavy. Way too heavy. But here's what happens, right? He says, the iron had floated because of the man of God placed a stick on the water. And God is the only one who can make that iron float. But you know why he said to do it? So that they could see the glory of God. So God's throwing stuff in the... And you say you're a man or woman of God. But if somebody's iron is sinking, do you go and believe for them that it's going to float? Because you believe that God will do the impossible? That's crazy faith. The people in the Bible were crazy. This is, okay, oftentimes God's instructions defy the law of human understanding. And it's God's instruction that leads you to your breakthrough into crazy faith. And many times it does not line up with what you think or what you even understand. You have to stop trying to put God in your understanding. God, you're never going to understand him. That's what I said in the beginning. It's, it's not a puzzle. It's not a riddle, book. we're never going to fully understand God. You know the only time we're going to fully understand God is when we go home. Then it makes all kinds of sense. But in the meantime, he's asking us to have crazy faith. He's asking us to believe for the impossible. Look, he said, if you, look, here's what I need y'all to get. When Jesus went to hell and he stole the keys from Hades, he probably laughed all the way up. Ha, 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 ha. You know what I'm saying? Picture, your, picture kids, like, teasing each other. And he took the keys. When Jesus was getting ready to go to heaven, he said, these are the keys to the kingdom. And what I can do, you can do greater. And he says this. Check it out. He says, and even more. But we stop. And we don't really push into or fully do what he said we're capable of doing. So what if, what if you got outside of your intellect and your human understanding and your human thinking and your human reasoning and everything a book taught you and everything somebody ever told you and you got outside of that and you just told God, use me. What if something crazy happened in your life that was for the good? What if all the things that you prayed for when you let go of you came to pass and all God told you was, thank you for getting out of my way. Because sometimes you, you, you prevent God from, from moving. You keep him from being able to show you his glory. And he wants you to see his glory. He wants you to feel the anointing. He wants you to be able to believe. And he wants you to live for him, to breathe for him, to die for him. my next point, and this is one of my good ones. These are my handcuffs, okay? It says, crazy faith isn't shackled by the fear of failure or the enemy's voice, okay? Some of you, this is what you do. (sighs) Yeah, girl. Some of you, here's your hand. And this is the enemy, and you're, you're, you say you're a Christian and you're in the faith, because, you know, we all are, but this is what happens. You tell God yes, the enemy comes and he sneaks in, and then before you know it, you're not good enough. Well, maybe you got delivered, maybe you didn't. Maybe you're really a husband, maybe not. Maybe you're really a father, but maybe not. And maybe one day you're going to become something, but maybe not. And maybe one day you are going to change the world. But as long as you keep listening to me, it's not going to happen. So maybe not. And then what he does is he says, oh, I got you here. Then he comes and he shackles you here. And you're saying, I'm still a Christian. Maybe just smoke that weed. They'll never know. Maybe call that girl on the other line or the boy. Maybe you're faithful, maybe you're not. Maybe one day, maybe one day you'll really get to heaven, but it's always going to be questionable. Okay? Uh, now I've got to get you out of it. <laughs> but you're always going to try to stay shackled because you're not willing to really let go. And as long as the enemy keeps whispering to you, and you keep listening, he's going to keep dragging you. He's always going to try to shackle you. And he's always going to try to bring people or things to question whether or not what you're doing is right. Oh, you, you can't love Jesus that much. You can't be that radical for Jesus. Oh, I don't really think that you're meant to do pastoral work. Oh, maybe that vision, that dream, it was just, it was just somebody, they were prophet Maybe one day, maybe one day. And then some of us, we start believing the lie and we're like, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm just always going to be this way. Or maybe I'm always going to think this way. And so you're stuck in shackles, trying to break free. Crazy faith isn't shackled by the fear of failure or the enemy's voice. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to even please God. James 1, 6 through 8 says, but let him ask in faith, check it out, without doubting. Without doubt. You have to ask without doubt. So I can't, that means I'm not going to go to God in prayer and say, God, I believe for divine healing, God. I believe that the cancer is gone. And then in the same sentence say, maybe it's not. Maybe God's going to restore my marriage, but maybe not. Because here's what happens. When you put doubt in, you plant the seed. For the enemy still to have the shackle, to have the hold, to have the the event. To doubt, to fear, or listen to the enemy's voice is to be unconvinced of God's integrity to fulfill what his word says or his promise to you. God is the only one in the whole universe whose integrity is ever beyond question. God's never wrong. He doesn't lie. So if he told you something, he's going to see it through to the end. It may not be in your timing or how you expect it to come, but God is going to show up and he's going to hold true to his promise because he's God. Because he's God. When you begin to seek after crazy faith, the enemies of your faith will whisper discouraging arguments to your mind. That's why Joyce Meyer says it best. She said the battlefield is in the mind. And an idle mind is the devil's playground. Because the enemy knows that in your mind is where you're processing all those things. And God is trying to whisper quietly, just trust me. Have the faith to trust me. Have the crazy faith to believe me. Okay? Look, let's check it out. I even got an example. Abraham, right? The story of Abraham and Sarah. God told Abraham he was going to be the father of many children. But the enemy came to Sarah and told her she was too old to have children. children. See how the enemy planted the seed? And then they laughed at God. Oh, I'm 90-something years old. and You think I'm going to have a baby? What? Right? jesus was tempted in the wilderness 40 days 40 nights jesus was tempted and the devil came to try to tell him something other than what the bible says what god said about him he was trying to trip him up he was trying to plant those seeds okay and i want to use an example of my own life because in crazy faith this sermon is mine and pastor's life crazy faith. Hallelujah. You have that have crazy face. This is mine and Pastor's life. When we started the ministry of the church, it was a little tiny box, and we came from a good church, and we came from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Greenville, Texas. It's one of the wealthiest churches in, in Greenville. That's where we went to church. That's where we got saved. And we were doing Celebrate Recovery and we we had at least 100 people that started coming and getting saved and we were ministering and we were doing these things. And and Pastor's crazy self told the pastor, I feel like I need to do more. And he said, I believe it too. So now I got two crazy people and I'm just like, okay, God, whatever. And so then he's like, well, we have a church for you to pastor in in Quinlan, Texas. And I didn't even know where Quinlan, Texas was. Quinlan where? (laughs) Who? Never heard of that place. Okay, so then my husband, he starts going down there. And then one day he says, okay, come on, I'm going to show you. And I'm like, oh, okay, great, yay. I'm thinking a church building. I'm thinking church members. I'm thinking something. So here I go, and we're driving. And how many of you ever been to Quinlan, Texas? Okay, if you ain't, you ain't missing nothing, okay? <laughs> Exception. But that's where we found them. And actually, God found them for us. Um, So Raymond, and so I'm driving, and we're going, and now I'm, like, starting to trip out because it's getting, like, real, like, ghetto-looking, but white ghetto. And I'm like, oh, my God, where are we? There's got to be a nice church somewhere in this joint. And we're driving, and we pull up, and it's this, like, trailer box like the size of the stage, maybe past the drums. And I just sat there and I was like, okay, maybe inside's a little nicer. I opened that door and I said, my God, you want me to do what? And then you should have seen the neighborhood. huh? Y'all thinking that wasn't the worst part. Y'all should have seen the neighborhood. Y'all, I'm going to write a book. Ain't nobody going to believe me except the people that have experienced it with me, okay? I'm talking your neighbor, your closest neighbor, he'd be driving down the road on his tractor walking his dog with an ax. I'm like, that's some crazy stuff right there. Then the other guy, he walking down the road. And I'm thinking to myself, where are we? Where are we? Where really, for real, where am I? You know what I'm saying? And everybody that walked by, I swear, they used to think we were the FBI. We were just church people. And I, crazy. Crazy. Okay, y'all laughing, but it's the truth. Huh, the dope man, the dope man got saved for a moment, I promise you. Because he came and fixed the playground equipment. That's crazy. Huh? Crazy face. Y'all laughing. I'm telling them. Am I lying, Chantel, Tremonica, Tressa, Savannah? Huh? And I remember, and then they told me where I was going to live. He said, Oh, and I got this house for us. Oh, okay, yeah. I pulled up to that thing and I said, Oh, God, you're going to have to give me kingdomized. <laughs> kingdomized. That thing was falling apart. <laughs> it was, it, look, I wouldn't go in there if I was high myself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Y'all laughing. It's the truth. And my husband just looked at me and I said, "Mm -hmm. are you sure God told you? Are you sure God told you? Because what you see, I do not see. I see some crazy lunatics in my babies. That's what I see. You're going to have my crazy. And he just was like, this is what God did. And I'm like, amen, God, you and I got to talk. Huh? Remember those discussions you have with God and you're like, I don't think you read my uh, future correctly. I like simple. I like clean. And I like church members. And I like normal church members. I ain't having a normal church member since. Huh? I ain't. If you think you're normal, you're not normal. Huh? I don't even know if I would know what to do with a normal person. Huh? I'd probably tell you there's something wrong with you. Go get checked out. Huh? This is really my life, y'all. Really my life. Right? Come on now. And we started believing God. My husband was like, we're just going to pray, fast, and pray. Pray, fast, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Fast, fast. I I fasted more then. That's why I was so skinny then. We fasted all the time. Pastor, we're calling a prayer fast, fast. How long? A month. Oh, my God. We'd get off the fast, and he'd be like, we're fasting again. What? What? we just fasted. God's going to move. He better move because I'm hungry. <laughs> what the? You know what I mean? And then the funny thing is he would never bring food because like, we had to pray because we started the home then. And what was crazy was we would have to pray for food because we only had my income and we didn't have any other income. We didn't have support from anybody because you know, crazy people get crazy results. But the, the churches started to be like, well, that's a little too much for us. And they kind of left us on our own. So we had to figure it out. And so we would take my little bit of income and, you know, they would kind of fundraise a little bit, but not a lot. And um, we would have to support the house. The, the home was my home. And I remember we would pray. And, and this is what crazy faith looks like. We would pray and we would pray for food. And we would pray and we'd pray and we pray. The homegirls and the homeboys, we'd pray, we'd pray, we pray, pray, we'd pray. And we'd pray some more. And then all of a sudden, food would come. And one time we weren't specific in our prayers, and Lauren can can attest to it because she's laughing, because Lauren was one of my one of my first few homegirls, and uh, we got a, we got a van full of food, and it was zoinks, wham whams, and zoom zooms, cherry danishes, till so your heart's content. <laughs> we had those things for months and months and months. We had that where we literally went around the neighborhood and dropped them on everybody's door and still had six months worth of zoom zooms and wham whams. But here's the thing, and then when all the food would start coming in, Pastor would call a fast and we're all like, Oh my god. Are you kidding me? But you know what pastor was teaching us? Crazy faith. And do you know that as we began to adventure, as we started filling up the churches? that that little wobble box do you know that it became one of my favorite places in the whole world and i didn't feel threatened or and i'm telling you it is a third world country there was people didn't have running water they didn't have electric they had a little tiny store that robbed them of their food stamps because everything is like $8 to buy one loaf of bread. Like, I'm for real. And so they didn't have transportation or anything like that. And so I was like, you know, you, you would take what you have and you would bless the people with it. And we would cook on on Thursdays because we didn't have church on Wednesday. We would cook on Thursday. Pastor and I would cook and we'd use our own money and we'd produce meals for these people. And we would serve God and we would believe God for the impossible and we would believe God for miracles, signs, and wonders. And I saw more in that little box than I've ever seen ever again. But well, we were crazy back then. We were just crazy people with a crazy dream to do something powerful for the kingdom of God. Amen. And Chantel, I, it, the story is funny because I, I love Chantel and I love Kevin. And I, uh, I remember one time Chantel, it was me and Savannah and, and Adam and we were the worship crew. You know, and we used tracks because, you know, whatever. But uh, we would have a good time. And I remember one time Chantel came in, and and she said, I'm going to believe that you see a feather. And I'm like, what? Yeah, God's going to send you a feather from heaven. And I was like, okay, Chantel. And we're up there singing and just swinging. And all of a sudden, this little thing comes floating. And I was like... And I stopped, and I... I literally, I think I was like sort of singing, but I was really trying to figure out, is that really a feather falling down in front of my face? Because Chantel had crazy faith. Like she was really believing for me to see that God still moved in miracle signs and wonders. And you say, okay, Heather, well, that's great. Okay, well, I, if, you, if you could live my life, my life and Raymond's life has been built on crazy faith. We have had a whole town, a whole town turn against us. We have had police banging on our doors and our windows. We have had neighbors tell us they were going to tear down our fence and burn down our house. They took pictures of my children. My kids couldn't go outside. They threatened my kids all the time. And we had, it was insanity. And there were days I questioned, God, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I can't keep doing this. And then there were people that were supposed to be there that bailed. And you're standing there all alone and you're like, God, God, was all of this in vain? Did I do this in vain? Did we not hear you right? Maybe we're not doing it right. Maybe we're wrong. Now I remember there were times I would tell my husband, I don't think I can take another step. I don't know if I can go anymore. And he'd just tell me, you gotta believe God. You gotta have faith, Heather. You have to hold on. Hold on, Heather, hold on. And we'd hold on and, and we had to hold on to each other. When everybody else walked, we had to hold on to each other. My husband, me, and my kids. And we kept saying, No, God, if you brought us to it, you're gonna bring us through it. If you brought us to it, you're gonna bring us through it. And can you imagine had we stopped? had the had the encounters had been too much and we didn't have enough crazy faith we wouldn't be standing where we're at today and it's really not even about Heather and Raymond, it's about God and it's about God saying, look, I'm going to take you through stormy waters and I'm going to test you and I'm going to try you and I'm going to put you through persecution and I'm going to put you through suffering and I'm going to put the weights on you to where you can't feel like you can take another step or another breath and I'm going to hold you down to see if you really trust me, to see if you're willing to follow me at any cost. And we held on, and we held on, and we held on, and we held. It, y'all think it was, it was not yesterday that this all just blessings flew. But somewhere inside of us, crazy faith ignited. Crazy faith ignited. And we became to where nothing anybody ever said, look, you want to know why God takes you through all that? Because ain't none of y'all going to move me. Y'all ain't moving me. Y'all could walk out today and never come back. I will make banana bread. I will fundraise some banana bread. I will go to church. I will clean a church. I will move. I will go evangelize myself. And you want to know why? Because I got crazy faith. Because I've been in the valley. I've been in the desert. I've been desolate. I've been tried. I've been persecuted. I've been spit on. I've been lied on. And I'm still standing. So you're not going to knock me down. You sure ain't going to knock my husband down because he really got crazy faith. He's got a loose screw with crazy faith. I'd be like, dang, honey. Church, we're having church today, church tomorrow, church today, church tomorrow. We got church every day. Everybody better be there. Y'all better be fasting. Huh? And y'all better show up because if you don't show up, I'm going to come get you the next time you don't show up and ask you why you weren't in church. We got a prayer meeting. You ain't showing up. You better show up. You better put those worldly side events aside. Did he not? He used to call us out. He would call us out. Y'all got the nice version right now. I'm hurrying it up. Okay. (laughs) Look, and they're going to tell you all the reasons why you can't be successful in your crazy faith. And they'll tell you all the reasons why not to do it. The devil's going to tell you all kinds of reasons to not finish something. The devil's going to tell you all kinds of reasons why you're not going to succeed or you're not going to reach the lost or you're not going to heal someone. He's got a million reasons, but who are you standing on? What is your foundation on? Oh, no. Crazy faith is letting go of fear and leaping off the ledge into the father's hands. If The greatest failure in life is the failure of not trying. If we want to reach people no one else is reaching, we have to do things no one else is doing. And we have to risk failure to see God do the miracles. We have to risk getting out of our comfort zones to reach others with the gospel of Christ. We must risk failure. And if we're unwilling to risk it all, then we don't really want crazy faith. Noah is a perfect example in the Bible. It hadn't rained in years. And God had enough of the wickedness. God said he'd had enough. It's probably where he's at today. But the problem is he said he wasn't going to do it again. But he's probably tired of us compromising, and he's probably tired of the wickedness, and he's probably tired of all our shenanigans and our half-stepping and our half-Christianity and our half-this and our half-that. But look, so he went to Noah and told Noah build this ark. Noah looked crazy, y'all. It ain't rain, and God told him to build a big old ark. And everybody's laughing at him, making fun of him, picking on him. Oh, you just need to stop. It ain't going to rain. What are you doing? God, you heard God, huh? 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 You know what? They made fun of him until the rain came. Then who had crazy faith? David and Goliath. David was a shepherd boy who challenged the the giant Goliath with three smooth stones and killed him. Saul became Paul. But he had to tell the world about his transformation, his crazy transformation. And then guess what he did? He wrote half of the New Testament. Where's your crazy faith? His, okay. uh, In crazy faith, you need to take, uh, okay. Jesus, Jesus is the next example. He challenged everything to bring everyone to the Father. Jesus had, do you know how much crazy faith Jesus had for you? He died for you. I don't see any of you willing to die for me. Somebody that didn't even know me was crazy enough to die for me because he loved me. So that I could have a relationship back to the father. My last and final point, and we're going to finish it up. Crazy faith is driven by passion, not success. In In crazy faith, it needs to take hold of your heart and your mind. As though you are intoxicated with God's ability to fulfill what you need. Meaning just like when you got high and drunk in the world and you were trying to fulfill the needs of the devil. God wants you so intoxicated like you're on drugs for him. Because on drugs in the world, you'll do anything. Well, what if you're intoxicated for Jesus because you're going to do anything and everything for him? It is a strong, passionate belief in God and crazy faith. You see God as the only source your life depends on. Without him, your life would be bankrupt. Consequently, you mentally cut off all other deceptive, alternate routes. Meaning when you, let, when you really let God in, you take the world and you cut it just like when somebody has a baby and they just give birth, they have to cut the umbilical cord in order to live on its own. Jesus wants you to cut the world so that you can live in him. Okay. And one day you'll be like, oh, that was a really good point. I know. It's like Anthony said, I told myself amen all the time. Okay. So it means that you're going to let go of your worldly life and what the world values is success. Meaning money isn't going to control you. Being with a a four-bedroom house and cars and all that doesn't control you. It doesn't own you. And God says that he's going to take care of you if you just give your life to him anyway. Okay? So the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 16 through 22. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, What good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? Because the guy already had money. He had wealth. And there's only one who is good. Excuse me. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept, why am I still lacking? Meaning, why am I still empty? Lacking is empty. I'm a good person. Here we go back to the I'm the good person. Okay. Why am I still lacking? Because his faith, he knew Jesus was the answer, but he wasn't willing to let go of the world. He wasn't willing to let go of status quo and he wasn't willing to die to himself and that cost him eternity. It cost him eternity. His faith was driven by the things of the world and therefore he couldn't allow crazy faith to take over because it says he had great possessions meaning he had all the things that you could want but he still wasn't completed. Luke 9 and 58 says, Jesus has no place to lay his head, but the disciples followed him, not for the success, but for the passion that they had for him. In Luke 9 and 58, Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And do you know that the people still follow Jesus? He didn't have a home. He didn't have a 401k. He didn't have an IRA. He didn't have a savings and a checking account. He didn't have those things. And yet the world still followed. Worship team, you can come up. Look, when we truly find the purpose in our life, the real purpose, and not the world's version that brings temporary fulfillment and then leaves us so empty and broken, but real purpose, something happens. When we realize that our passion is driven by the fact that someone who owed us nothing did something so crazy for us, then something deep in our hearts responds. Meaning, we didn't do anything to deserve God's grace, and we didn't do anything to deserve God's love or his mercy, but he still died for us. And something in our hearts, when we really let go of self, begins to respond here. There's something in your heart that wants to genuinely change. And there's something in you that wants to be so ignited and so on fire because guess what? He becomes your first love. Your first love. We find ourselves running to the ledge. That's like me running to this ledge. And then without looking, we jump, right? Just picture going to a mountain. And you're on the mountain. And crazy you are, right? Because we all said we're crazy. You, you start right here and you just start running. And most people, intellect will kick in and they'll stop. But crazy faith tells you to run and jump. Okay? And without looking, we jump. And when we jump, we begin to see the old things in our lives no longer matter. All that stuff that you valued, it's not important. It doesn't even hold weight to who God is. And so what if people say you're crazy? And so what if to the world it looks backwards? Because the truth is, when we live on the ledge of faith, of crazy faith, two things will happen. One, we're not ready, and God's going to catch us. And number two is we're going to run and jump, and we're going to fly. Meaning you're going to be able to have crazy faith. Meaning that you're willing to leave the old life behind for the new life. Meaning that you're going to be able to see God for who he really is. And you're not going to want to do anything that breaks God's heart. And you're going to want to live your life sold out for him. Crazy faith is what we need to begin to live and to believe God for the impossible. For God to bring miracles, signs, and wonders and begin to release them. Where we are no longer ashamed to share the gospel to the world and not ashamed to stop the stranger on the street And to honestly share the testimony God has given you. Because nobody can take your testimony. God, this is who I used to be. But this is what you've made me. And I'm not ashamed of who you've made me. I'm not ashamed to stop someone in a store and tell them the goodness of you. And I'm not afraid to go and give the man on the street corner who smells really bad and hasn't showered in months and hasn't eaten money and a hug and to tell him that you value him and that you love him. I'm not ashamed, God, to do what you asked me to do. Where the church no longer looks like the world. And where our crazy faith takes your heart and releases everything. Jesus is asking us today to let go of the world and to grab onto him and have that crazy faith. To where you tell the mountain to move and it moves. So mountain today, if everybody can stand. Eyes closed, hands up. Eyes closed, hands up.